<laughs> well, hey, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome back to the channel here for Open Mic, the show where the mic is open, the floor is yours. What do you guys want to talk about in this wonderful world of movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff? Who says that? Ray, Will Ferrell says that. I know, but he was watching. Sorry, but Ray was watching some Will Ferrell videos, so I thought I'd do that. <laughs> he started when Jonathan said, and three, two, to what he's like shake and bake <laughs> that just caught me off guard it just reminds me of a great movie that what a great movie that was um uh, i lost my place i don't know where we were well you well you said welcome to open mic and oh, yeah, yeah, that's right we're gonna over do you. open mic and you're probably we're, introducing me we're gonna take quite oh that's right i should introduce ray yeah me first ray's over here <laughs> i'm crying <laughs> <laughs> jonathan voico is here hey keeping it all nailed down tight around here and uh most importantly you guys are here thanks for joining us for this where we just take your topics what do you guys want to talk about now there's two different ways to get a topic for us to address here on Open Mic. The first way is if you're watching this video or listening to this podcast, any of the 23 hours of the day that we're not live, uh, just go ahead and use our tip link by emailing and going to www.streamelements.com slash johncampia slash tip. If you go to that link, you will find a way to submit your question there. Or if you are watching live right now, you can use the Super Chat feature. I am going to let you know that the Super Chats are already almost pretty much full. So we're only going to keep them open for another two or three minutes. So if you've got a topic or question you'd like to submit using Super Chat, do that in the next couple of minutes because then we are shutting it down. All right. With that all said, let's, uh, I want to talk about this before we get going. You know, one of the big topics uh, around, you know, movies and our circles and stuff like that has been, you know, especially when, when streaming started to take off during the pandemic, when everybody thought streaming was going to be the answer for everything and it was going to be this giant pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and everybody thought everything, all of a sudden, you know, all this quantity was going into it. And Disney and their new CEO at the time, Bob Chapek, kind of believed that quantity was the answer. Let's just start making tons and tons and tons and tons of stuff. Well, there becomes a, pro you know, Jonathan, I don't know if you were ever in a company that had this. I used to work for a visual effects company uh -huh. and we made these t-shirts. We didn't come up with a slogan, but we made a t-shirt out of it that we would give to our customers sometimes. It said, good, fast, cheap. Oh pick yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick two. Good, fast, cheap. Pick right. two. You cannot have product from us that is good and fast and cheap. Yeah. Can't do it. You got to <laughs> pick two and then run with it. And it's like at the beginning of the, the streaming era or the, the golden age of the stream era, it's like they thought they, they could do it all. We're going to make all this stuff and it's all going to be awesome and it's all going to be well-received and everybody's going to love it and we're going to make so much money and all this kind of stuff. Well, the reality started to sink in that that was a money pit. And now we see that it really took an impact on Marvel. You know, we've heard Bob Iger, the returning CEO of Disney, say in the last month that, yeah, listen, all that stuff that got made on Disney Plus making all those projects, it has diluted the quality of our Marvel product. And he was 100% right, it has. And they need to focus on that. Well, now, Bob Iger is saying that they are making it a priority that they are going to focus less on quantity and more on the quality of their work. Uh, this is what he said. He said this, we are focused on improving the quality of our films and on better economics, not just reducing the number of titles we release, but also the cost per title. We're maximizing the full impact of our titles by embracing the multiple distribution windows at our disposal. That means getting back to theatrical, enabling our consumers to access our content in multiple ways. Okay, so this kind of goes hand in hand with what he was saying before. It's like, hey, yeah, we've diluted our Marvel brand. Because it wasn't that long ago when we would get three MCU projects a year. Three. Before that, two. And then as Ray pointed out, there we had a two-year period where 12 <laughs> MCU projects came out in a two-year period. <laughs> it's like, you, you, it doesn't take a statistician to know that, hey, your odds of success are pretty low on a per-project basis if you're trying to crank out that much stuff all willy-nilly. You know, I, I, was, I did an interview earlier today, and I mentioned on it, if you make two projects one year, and six projects the next year, then that means you are using four directors this year that last year wouldn't have been good enough to work with you. 
you're using four sets of screenwriters that you have to use now because you have six projects, but a year ago, four of them wouldn't have been good enough to work for you. And, and you start spreading your resources thin, you start spreading your money thin, and before you know it, you're digging holes that you can't possibly get out of. And what kind of race were they trying to get into? I meant, they didn't have to like go all in like at first, like they could have taken their time. I meant, who are they racing against? I meant, if they were going to put Disney Plus out, why did it just like, it felt like they just wanted to put all of it in, even if it was crap or whatever. It's just go off. Like what I'm saying is they probably had like Netflix. They were looking at Netflix. They're like, we got to catch 100% up. That's 100% the answer. We got to catch up to them, yeah. even though they're not. But it's it showed in the product. I mean, you, you've, you've only hurt yourself. You know, they were trying to race against Netflix, but in reality, they were just killing themselves. They were, well, I mean, yes and no a little bit. I mean, I agree with you, but like, so here they are, Net the, the real age of streaming just started, but the reality is Netflix has been in the game for a long time. Actually, there wasn't even a game. They were the only people doing it, right? And so they said, okay, we need to instantly yep. catch up to Netflix, mm -hmm. right? And to a degree, it kind of worked because Disney Plus added subscribers way faster than Netflix did. Like it took Netflix to get to where it is, like 12 years of streaming, right? Ever, right? Disney like caught halfway up with them in a year or a little over a year. So, so to a degree, it sort of worked. But here's where Disney and the other streamers kind of lost focus of that Netflix may be way ahead and Netflix may be profitable, but it was really a very short time ago that they were not profitable. They went over a decade losing billions of dollars every single year. And it took them a long time to get to the place that they're at. And it was, I'll use the word folly. It was folly. I say to believe that you can just come out of the gate and get there. And I agree with you, Ray. They try to do too much too fast because even though in the early days of Disney plus I criticize them and I was wrong to do so. But I criticized them in the early days that, well, they put out Mandalorian and we haven't had any other super high premium stuff come out in so long. The reality is they should have built Disney slowly, Disney Plus slowly, leveraging the strength of their library, all the Marvel content, all the Star Wars content, all the Pixar content, all the decades of Disney classics, all in one place. That would have given them such a better head start than Netflix ever had. And they should have built slowly, but surely, but, you know, and I think that was part of Iger's plan. Iger had this plan. Look, we're going to do some premium shows with Disney. We're going to do some premium shows with Marvel. We're going to do some premium shows with Star Wars. But then Bob Chapek came in and then cranked it up to 11. And all of a sudden they were flying on a lot of things. Even projects that Bob Iger had kind of greenlit that were supposed to be three, four, five years off were all of a sudden greenlit now. And let's do, I mean... And they ultimately, you saw their movie projects suffer. You saw their television stuff suffer. And I, I think they're right. They need to reduce it back down to a real, I think at maximum, maximum, I think Marvel should be putting out four projects a year, two movies, two Disney plus shows or three movies, one Disney plus show. I think they need to cap it. Like, like your, like your uh, visual effects company shirt. I think that Disney shirt said quantity, quantity. Quantity, quality. quality, pick choose one. one. Yeah, and they chose the other. It's it's like a hard balance to try to find, like for especially a starting thing like that. Like, do we make it all shiny? Like, oh, this is coming out, this is coming out, and then people see the crap that's that it is. I think it ended up being they lost subscribers because of that. Maybe. Well, I mean, not many, not uh, many. but but it has certainly slowed their growth because even Netflix. Even Netflix recently made statements that, yeah, we're going to cut back on how much stuff we make. I mean, they, they just realized the arms race approach to streaming that all of them seem to take, they realized that was a lose-lose proposition. It was like, remember the movie War Games? Let's play a game of global thermo, thermal nuclear war. And the only outcome at the end of the thing, the computer realized there's no winner. There's no, there's no way to, and that's the thing that I think these streamers are all realizing. Yeah. The big arms race that they all got into in the midway through the pandemic, or whatever is that it's going to be about who cranks out the most stuff. And now they're realizing, Oh no, 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 that was the wrong approach. 
it only takes for me at least it only takes one property or one franchise i don't care about the amount of stuff like when uh south park went to was it paramount yes that was immediately i was like oh i should sign up for paramount and then they put the halo series on i said okay i'm signing up i i signed up i didn't care what price you know disney plus if they say hey a darth maul live action series is coming out i'll be like where do I sign up? Yeah, you but know? that's the problem, right? Because then they think, so they're going to go after anybody who would sign up for a Dolph Mars series, and then we'll go after anybody who will sign up for a Dora the Explorer series, and then we'll go after anybody who does, and they just get ahead of themselves without having a really good overall strategy. And I think what Bob Iger's saying here now is the absolute right approach. Look, we're going to stop with the arms race. We're going to cut back the amount of production we do, and we're going to put a lot more of our energy and resources into making the projects that we are making much better like the way we used to do it. And I think that's going to work for them. You know, the last thing I tried to watch on Disney Plus was this movie. I think it was called Crater because like these kids go to the moon. I'm not sure. But when I went on there, it was it was a brand new movie that they put on. And it I wasn't never even there. heard of it. It wasn't even there. I think we did a, like a small thing about it where it's like, why did they take that new movie off? Maybe it sucked that bad. I, don't I know. think the last thing you watch on Disney Plus was Secret Invasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, as I, me personally at home, I turned oh, it okay, on I get, yeah, to yeah. actually find this movie. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, there we have it. I think it's a good place for Disney to be right now um, because I think they really are putting their finger on what has ailed them lately. And now we'll see if uh, they can. Remember, this is going to take years to feel the impact of this. Like this decision they're making that we're going to cut back, we're going to focus more on our quality. We're not going to feel the impact of this for a couple of years. So let's see if it actually works. All right, guys. With that down, we are now going to do what we are actually here to do, which is to take your topics and questions. So let's get to it. Jonathan, what are we starting off with? JM Nanother writes, I wanted to provide more details on our LED wall and screens. We put up uh, at our church in Memphis, middle screen about 55 feet wide. Wow. Uh, and 13 feet tall, left and right stage about 24 feet wide and 13 feet tall. Uh, took us, uh, yeah, a crew of seven over three plus weeks. Wow, it's massive. So but I mean, is that like one complete screen or a series of screens? I think it's, I think one, it's main like supposed one, to be one main one, which is the big one, and then the two side ones. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine what the cost of that would it's be. 103 feet. That's massive. Well, that's Wide. three separate screens, right? Yeah, but it's probably like close to seamless. You know what I mean? Because they had one screen panels, center. So. They had one screen center. Yeah. And, and then two screens yeah. that were smaller size. But same height. Off on the, uh, but not as wide. Was it the same height? Bring that yeah. up again. 13 feet. Uh, they're all 13 feet high. Okay. And one was 24 feet. And I, okay, try to make one. Yeah, yeah, I can't even begin to imagine what the cost of that is. Let's hope it just works for them. Whatever they're, they're using it for, it works for them and they enjoy it. Oh, I'm, I mean, well, listen, I'm sure it'll work. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm sure it's going to be wonderful. Yes. I, just, I just don't know. Like when you're talking about something like, say, let's take AMC theaters, for example, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's say <laughs> where they probably have in the neighborhood of. I'm just gonna, I don't know the number, but I'm going to throw out a number, okay? Because I'm sure it's around this. They probably have around 2,000 screens in the U.S. alone, right? Trying to replace movie theater screens with LED, like 70-foot wide LED things, I mean, that is going to be, re that would be really cost prohibitive. And that's what we talked about the last time they wrote in. But I'm sure for the, the one church and stuff like that, I'm sure it looks great. I, I just wonder what it cost. Mm. That's, that's my one thing. All right. What's next? Garden Variety Vagabond writes, maybe a comparison for residuals. Tom Brady had two and a quarter million in incentives based on the uh, book's success. Bucks. Oh, Bucks success. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, yeah, yeah Bucks. Uh, success if he played 75% of the games and the team ranking for net yards gained per rushing play increased over the previous year. Your NHL does not allow incentives. Um, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure how I feel about incentives and in sports contracts. I mean, not, I don't see how any of that applies to residuals. I there, There's no application there. May, well, maybe he says if his show takes off really well and there's like stuff that gets paid maybe that that's how they earn residuals. I, I mean but that's the thing if a show takes off on streaming it doesn't actually make the streamer yeah. any more money I, I mean and look and ultimately that's always been that's the big hang up the writers and the actors you know Chris explained this better than I can but the writers and the actors they want residuals the problem is their concept 
of residuals is based on an old, outdated model of broadcast cable television. That simply is not the reality anymore. Because the way residuals worked back then don't work that way anymore. You know, the more people that watched a show meant more money for the network. As a series went into syndication and the shows got licensed out to dozens, if not hundreds, of local television stations and stuff like that that generated revenue, that's what actors got residuals based on. Those things don't exist anymore. So they're trying to come up with the way. I've explained this before too, but here's part of the conundrum of the streaming world. Ray, let's say you have Ray Plus, the streaming network. Oh, yeah. Okay. And you're, you have a show on your on streaming <laughs> network called Sex Court TV. Oh. Okay. Number one. That, that's right. And let's say it's number one. Now, here's the thing. Let's say that Ray Plus, the television network, has five million subscribers. All right. Now, Ray puts on Sex Court TV on his network. How much money difference does Ray make? If one of his subscribers watches Sex Court TV, or if all five million of his subscribers watch Sex Court TV, but but but, but here, here's my thing. Well, before you say, okay, but okay, let me okay. answer the question. The answer is zero. Yeah, there is zero. no difference, not one bit of difference. If all five million of those viewers watch Sex Court TV, it doesn't make Ray any more money. It actually costs Ray money. But anyway, so what was your? So blood? then, like Sex Court TV, it like takes off, and I'm like swimming in money and boobies, whatever. Right, and then Campia looks over there. Campia Plus show looks over there and goes, "I want some of that cream pie right there." And then like, so cream you offer pie? me, you you offer no no I, that came out wrong. You, you offer me, <laughs> I don't you want offer any, me money. I want nothing to you do with You offer cream me pie. money to sh- to be able to play the newest so episodes of Sex Court TV you on your license it? streaming yes, platform. That kind of becomes that like, money should be the money that right, uh, but that doesn't happen, right? Right. That, that 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 like now there we've seen a couple of isolated different like uh, ex, uh, exceptions to this, but generally speaking, a show that's made for Netflix is just going to stay on Netflix, and a show that's right. made on Peacock is just going to stay on Peacock. So that's part of the big problem that they got to try to figure out. Okay, if res- residuals still remain a thing, and I'm still not sure residuals should even be a thing, but if they are. They got to figure out a way how it applies in a new world of streaming because it's not based, it can't be based on how many people watch it because that doesn't make the network any more money to give you. It's got to be based on something else. And I'm just not sure what the answer and, to that and, is. And I don't think they could go in the past either. It has to be with the newer shows that these they sign. Yeah, they got to figure out a new figure out this stuff with. They can't go back to the old shows. Those deals, I think, are already done. I think all the money's already been passed from those. All right, what's next? Uh, JM writes, uh, the greatness of Guardians 3 can't be understated. Two friends of mine I had on my spoiler podcast uh, back in May. Uh, big takeaway I got was when asked, would you support Gunn's new DCU after watching or after seeing Guardians 3? They said yes, and they are not big DC fans. Tell you what, my wife Anne has gotten on a Guardians of the Galaxy kick. She's been rewatching all the Guardians stuff. She watched Guardians. We watched Guardians of the Galaxy three again the other day, and then she watched it again on her own. Then she watched two, and then she watched the first one again. And part three is fantastic. I still think part one is the best Guardians Mm. movie. (laughs) Like Guardians one, after watching it again the other day. I think I have to rearrange my top five comic book movies of all time because I think maybe Guardians 1 deserves a spot in there. But that being said, part three was fantastic. And when you look at what James Gunn has been able to do just in the last couple of years, Peacemaker, his Suicide Squad movie was fucking fantastic. And Guardians 3 was fantastic. If you don't, I I just don't know what it will take to convince you that this is the right guy to lead DC. I, I just, I simply don't know. Um, he is the guy to do it. I don't think there's a filmmaker out there other than maybe Kevin Smith who has a deeper, longer history of reading and knowing comic books than James Gunn does. He's the guy. Doesn't guarantee it's going to work. May not work, but he's the guy to do it. When you haven't won the championship in a long time, the Lakers, they brought in Shaquille O'Neal to guarantee I think uh, James Gunn is the Shaquille O'Neal. It may not, <laughs> it may not be a championship, maybe in the first, but eventually, the, the, he'll get it to where. Yeah, he, he's the guy to get them yeah. there. He's the one. All right, what's next? All right, uh, Jam, yeah, Jam, none other. Uh, oh, this answers your question from earlier. One more fun fact about our auditorium LED screens: it was reported in the commercial appeal, in the commercial appeal, that our auditorium building to build black magic equipment, cameras, 
LED panels, et cetera, to make everything tick, costed $15 million back in 2016. So that was for the church. So yeah, well, okay. And so black magic equipment is not cheap. No, black magic. I, I've I've got a couple of black mm -hmm. magic. Actually, my my editing software of choice is black magic. It's DaVinci Resolve, which is owned by Black Magic. Um but black magic does not make LED panels that no, big. but I think he's just talking about the uh Oh, the all equipment the, and the extra cameras. stuff yeah, that yeah, had yeah. to be built around it. Yeah, 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 that would be that would be impressive too. That would be a huge price tag as well. All right, what's next? Uh, okay, and then JM goes on and says, "Need to rant a bit. I just yelled when they announced a Bambi live action movie. I'm done." He said, "Enough with the remakes. I can't wait for the Lilo and Stitch and Mufasa movie. But after those two, I'm done. That's just me. <laughs> Give us more original ideas." You know what? Here's. Whenever somebody throws up the idea of we need more original films, all right. For those of you who watched me for a long time, you've heard me say this before. Hollywood today makes more original movies, and this is fact. This isn't a guess. This, this is quantifiable, verifiable, statistic fact. Hollywood makes more original films today than at any other time in its history. All right? They just do. That's, that's the truth. That's the reality. They really do. Audiences don't pay as much attention to them. But, I mean, that's the way it is. But on top of that, the other thing you got to consider, you know, the idea of originality is you can make a remake and it can be fiercely original depending on how you do it. Like a lot of people think that originality starts and stops with just your first idea. The first idea for a movie, Right. You think that's where the real originality is? Real originality is then in the next six months as you're trying to flesh out what that thing is going to be. You know, you look back, like, I look back at Jeff Goldblum's The Fly, and I know it's a remake, but I still, when I watch that movie, it feels fiercely original, even though it's based on an idea that was already done before. I contend that it actually takes more originality and more creativity to make an engaging, thriving, interesting narrative and story within a franchise or in a remake than it does for just a start from scratch, white page, original story. And so I, I usually take umbrage a little bit with the, this, with what people's notions of originality or creativity are, because there's a lot of it out there both in the traditional sense, but also in the non-traditional sense. It's just a matter of what we go and support. And by the way, with all these original films that do get made, why shouldn't there be room? Because you know what? They remade Aladdin. And I'm glad they did. Because even though it wasn't as good as the original Robin Williams animated masterpiece, it was fantastic. And I loved it. And I was entertained by it. And I got joy out of it. Um, Kenneth Branagh's Cinderella was a remake and I loved it and I got a lot of joy out of it. Uh, so yeah, I, I think there's room for both just because like, just because they make a, a Bambi movie and, and I agree with you, I have no idea what they're thinking, making a Bambi movie, but whatever they're making it, but there's gotta be room for those as well. Right. Tons of originals are getting made. There's gotta be room for those too, because it's all about what the audience wants to see and what they go <coughs> for. All right. What's next. All right. Uh, astronomy fan writes, Hey, John, I think everyone is sleeping on the Bike Rider movie. Photos look great. It's set to be released in December, starring Tom Hardy, Jodie Comer, Austin Butler, and more. It could possibly be a cult classic. Everyone likes movies, TV shows about bikes. Not everybody does. I do. Uh, but it took Sons of Anarchy to make me uh, think about that. And you're right. A lot of people are sleeping on it. But people are sleeping on it because they have done no marketing of it yet. They haven't put out teaser posters. They haven't released set photos. They haven't put out anything official yet. Don't worry. The buzz is going to come. The buzz will come. That's a star-studded cast. They're going to go big on it, but the movie is still, what are we in, August, September, October, November? It's still four months away. Give it another month or so, and they'll start ramping up the promotion of that, and, and I don't think anybody will be sleeping on it then. So, All right. who put it out? A bike rider? Oh, it's Disney Studios. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. All right, what's next? Uh, Dr. Or not Dr. Dre. Dre B writes, Matthew Davis uh, looks eerily similar to a young Harrison Ford. I don't know who Matthew Davis is off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't either. Um, what was the name of that kid that did some stuff with us back in the movie talk days? Mm -hmm. Who like did the world's best 
Harrison Ford impersonation. He even did like a- Oh, yeah, hunt. you're talking about- um, Yeah, the one that's on you, that was on YouTube, right? Yeah, he came in and did a bunch of stuff with us. And He's friends with Christian. Um, yeah, and he- It'll he, come to me. He he made his own little uh, Han Solo film. I can't remember his na the name of him now. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, I'm sure it'll come to us at some point here. Yeah, Jamie Costa. Oh, Jamie Costa. Yeah. That's what it is. Who was in the live chat? CSC. Yeah, Jamie Costa. Now that- that was a great Harrison Ford impersonator. He was great at that. All right, what's next? Uh, I'm just Ken writes, usually every year, January movies tend to be bad, a bad month, but this year happened to be, my opinion, a much more consistent month of good movies. Can we see the same resurgence with August movies this year? Let me see what's coming out. Yeah, what, well, what was in January? I, I can't even remember what was in January. Let me see if I can look this up here. Yeah. So I do remember us having conversations of like how... January's historically sucked, and lately, the last couple of years, you know, they've been not so bad. I mean, generally, January used to be seen kind of as a dumping month. You had Megan, the the robot, the girl robot. Yeah, Megan, Avatar. Uh, well, Avatar came out in December, the previous year, but Puss and Boost, Last Wish, yeah. Megan, A Man Called Otto. Ooh, House Party. Uh, missing, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, I've often said for a long time that, I think this old paradigm of that, I mean, look, the week of Christmas will always be the biggest, the, the busiest week in movie theaters. That's always going to be the a real prime slot for you to put a movie. Yes. The beginning of summer vacation will also be that. But honestly, outside of those two, I think everything else is equal. I think you can put good movies. You got a good movie with a good marketing campaign. You can put it just about anywhere. And that includes months like, September or months like January. And I, I think more and more we're starting to see the movie industry move that way. Oh, Elvis was also January. What was? Elvis. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, oh, God, I love that movie. All right, what's next? I'm just can you, oh, no, we just read that one. Uh, Garden Variety Vagabond just saw a trailer for a movie sitting in bars with cakes. Uh, looked heavy but charming with Bette Midler. Oh, wow. Ron Livingston in support with two newer faces, Yara uh, Shadidi and Odessa Azia. Uh, a Zion, uh, who was on the ill-fated uh, Nina Dodrev comedy Fam. Have you heard anything? Never heard anything about it. Sitting I, in bars with cakes. I have a feeling that's probably not a theatrical film because I, I haven't heard a single thing about it. It's really, I haven't heard Bette Midler. I mean, you know, before, what was the damn witches one they just uh, did? Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. Before that, I hadn't heard yeah. Bette Midler's name mentioned in forever. That, that woman is royalty and we haven't heard her name in forever so it's, it's kind of cool that she's doing something else too it's not on box office mojo so i think you're right yeah it's probably a direct streaming thing all right what's next? uh david bowers the whole wonder woman 3 announcement brings to mind a couple of weeks ago when james gunn was making claims about having spoke to ben affleck who was allegedly fully on board uh to potentially direct a dc film only for a couple days later affleck said no yeah this is all it's it's a, a situation of broken telephone that's all it is it's like two people being in the same meeting you know, Ray was bringing this up too, and I think he was right about just people walked away with different impressions of the meeting than it was. The important thing is that in like the Ben Affleck one, one didn't walk out saying, I'm going to be Batman in the new DC films. And the other one was like, no, you're not. Like there was never uh, anything like that. So it was probably a smaller token and, and of uh, Bat conversation. Oh, uh, sorry. That Bette Midler uh, movie is coming out on Amazon Prime Video. There you That's go. Amazon first. Prime Video. All right, guys, listen, we got a lot more to get to, but before we do, we're going to take a quick break here for a second and thank a couple of sponsors of today's episode, our friends at Rocket Money and Masterclass. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Rocket Money. Did you know that the average person has around 12 paid subscriptions and they might not even remember to subscribing to half of those? If you have no idea just how much you're spending each month, you need Rocket Money. It's this great app that tracks all of your expenses so you know exactly where your money is going. I recently just found out that over 80% of people have subscriptions that they've completely forgotten about. Seriously, think about how many free trials you subscribe to that you just probably never canceled. And that's why I'm such a big fan of Rocket Money, because I was one of those people. When I signed up to Rocket Money, I was stunned to find out that a gym I had belonged to in another city I lived in, I had still been paying my dues to for over two years. Also, that music subscription service I use, yeah, I forgot I was subscribed to two other ones. That's where Rocket Money comes in because Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. With over 3 million users and counting, Rocket Money customers have saved on average of $720 a year. So stop wasting money on things 
you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash campia. That's rocketmoney.com slash campia. Rocketmoney.com slash campia. We want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of this video, Masterclass. Guys, you know, as a small business owner, I am finding myself having to be in negotiations all the time, whether it's with new contractors, vendors, or even agencies that represent our company. Now, I don't like to go into these negotiations unarmed, so I found the perfect class on Masterclass, The Art of Negotiation by Chris Voss, a real-life former FBI lead hostage negotiator. Taking this class on Masterclass made me feel a lot more equipped and confident going into all these various negotiations. I have to do on a regular basis. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. An annual membership starts at just $10 a month, and you get unlimited access to every instructor, thousands of online lessons, exclusive content, insight, and much more. There are over 180 classes to pick from, everything from filmmaking with Martin Scorsese all the way to cooking with the great Gordon Ramsay. In Masterclass, you will find practical lessons that you can apply to your life and work. So guys, get unlimited access to every class. And right now, as a John Campy Show listener, you can get 15% off when you go to masterclass.com slash campia. That's masterclass.com slash campia for 15% off an annual membership. Masterclass.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Rocket Money and Masterclass for sponsoring this episode. All right, guys, let's get back to it. What do we got up next? Joe Adonis T, one of three, writes, um, Hi, John, John and Ray. Uh, I have a game recommendation when you have time to spare. Punch Club. It's a boxing tycoon management game with multiple branching storylines. It is a it is chock full of 80s movie references, and it's quite hilarious. Think Rocky movies and peppered in 80s action movies, even reptiles living in sewers. <laughs> uh, uh, the sequel, Punch Club 2, dropped last month, and it has even more 80s and 90s movie references. Check it out when you have t- extra time to just chill. I've never even heard of it. Oh, this looks so cool. Yeah, I've I've uh, never heard of it. Is that? Oh, man. Huh. It's from a computer. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah. I, know, I, actually, we I want to play this. We got to get NDI set up on uh, Ray's computer too. So when he's looking at things and talking about how good things look, we can actually go over that to it and look really at cool. it. I'm Thank a little you. afraid of that, but all right. Um, yeah. But <laughs> on, a, on a video game note, I, I'm pleased to announce that today I finally was able to start playing Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Not because I couldn't get it not to crash on the computer, but because Ray introduced me because I totally forgot that it existed, GeForce Now. Where I'm actually playing the game. He's streaming it. I'm, str- I'm playing the game streaming. <laughs> Bypass all the hardware stuff. Bypass all the problems with crashing, and I'm streaming it now. I finally was able to start playing you it. Are... I only got about a half hour into it. Then I uh, how do you like interview. it so far? Have you actually played the game, or you were still crack character? Creation? No, no, no. I got about a half hour into the game. Okay. Um, but then I had to stop for to do the interview. Yeah. But it's so far so good. I mean, I'm just getting a feel for it right How's now. How's the streaming though? Does it look good? The streaming's exceptional. Okay. Actually, it's really good and I, surprisingly responsive. And I take it you got the ultimate membership. Yes, I did. Yeah, with the 4080. Yeah. You Which means virtual you got the ultimate right. membership. No, 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 I'm kidding. No, I can't do that there. <laughs> I'll be playing right now. <laughs> All right. What's next? Uh, Abdulaziz writes, Hi, John. I don't know why people have lost their hope when it comes to, ha- to Dave Bautista playing the role of Bane. He, oh, the role of Bane. He might not be suitable for DCU, but still have DC Elseworlds. Uh, what do you think of him in a DC Elseworlds like Joker or the Batman universe? Thanks. Eh. I think James Gunn is going to use him again for somewhere. I mean, look, J- James loves Dave. Yeah, they're friends. And yeah. James likes working with people that he's got long-term relationships with, right? We see that all the time. He'll have Dave Batista yeah. in something somewhere for sure. But I already think they made it clear that it wasn't going to be Bane. Um, and to be honest with you, I look, take away the fact that Dave's this huge big guy. I I and you know, I love Dave Batista. I don't see any world in which he would be Bane. I mean, take away, because you can make anybody look like a big, huge hulking guy if you want, whether it's prosthetics or whatever, but and let's face it, a real Bane, that comic accurate Bane would have to be CGI. But, I mean, look, I, I wouldn't object if they used Dave Batista in it, but 
I, I don't necessarily think he's the right guy to play the role. Well, they have to bring in Bane if he's going to end up uh, having a rivalry with El Muerto. <laughs> I guess of the masks. Different, no. different cinematic Wasn't universes. Wasn't Bane a luchador too? Like, uh, didn't no. he have like a... He had a, yeah, he had a like, mask, but he was not a luchador. He wasn't had any wrestling... No, I don't believe so. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought he had like a wrestling background I somewhat. don't think so. I mean, I could be incorrect, but I'm thinking back to the Nightfall series and I don't remember them saying anything about him having oh. a wrestling background. I could be wrong about that though. All right, what's next? Uh, Gabe writes, whenever you retire, that will for sure leave a big hole in my soul for a couple weeks, <laughs> but I'm just I'm just appreciating every episode until your final goodbye at the end of the video. I appreciate the crew very much for all my laughs and enjoyment. Wow, that's kind of sad. <laughs> Again, this came up during, um, I keep getting people asking about my retire. Look, I, I said, I'm going to retire probably sometime in 2025. Uh, when, I'm not sure. It might go as late as 2026. Either way, it's years away. We at least got you till Superman Legacy. I at least that. until Superman Legacy. Because we all got to. Let's it's see how that turns years out. away. <laughs> and so what I said was somebody asked about it and I, and somebody asked me, Hey, on my last show, will I do like a big reunion thing and bring all these people in? And I said, no, I said, honestly, I'm not going to do the, uh, cream Abdul Jabbar farewell tour. I am honestly like when I know I'm, when I know that I'm about to retire, uh, obviously I'll let Ray and Jonathan know. Oh yeah. But, no, we'll just come in and then you, but I'm not going to tell anybody other than yeah. that. I, I'm like, literally well, going to do, I'm get, literally going to do my last show. Cause I don't want any drawn out farewell thing. I'm going to do my last show. And at the end of the episode, you know, when I'm normally go and that'll do it for today's episode of the John Campbell show, what I'll probably do that is then say, and by the way, guys, today was my last episode. And I'm probably just going to want to end it like that. And then I'll probably do like, I'll write an article to fully express all my gratitude to everybody and all that kind of stuff later. But yeah, I don't think I'll do like a big farewell tour. But again, let me reemphasize, this is years away. But this is still at least two years away, minimum two years away. So don't, don't worry about it right now. And me and Jonathan are going to let people in right now. When you retire and you're not there, we're still going to do the shows, except no one's going to be up there. We're going to have the camera rolling, <laughs> and then we're just going to give input to nothing. It'll just be a blank blank <laughs> desk. All right, what's next? Uh, JM, none, none of the rights. Finally got around to, to seeing Barbie uh, using MoviePass extra credits. Nice. I can see your angle of Barbie being the villain, and I can see what Ben Shapiro was seeing. Me, personally, I didn't like it. Script was weak, but Ryan's Ken is awesome. Just That's just me, though. I mean... No movies for everybody. And I don't think Barbie is a top five film of the year. I enjoy it. I think it's good. I had a good time watching it. I watched it twice. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's not in the same league as Oppenheimer or a number of the other better films of the year. Um, but, but here's the thing. And again, I have not seen anything by Dave Shapiro. What oh, is ben, ben, ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. I have never seen a video of Ben Shapiro. I have no, I just know that he exists. Other than that, I don't know anything about him. The first video I ever saw of Ben Shapiro. Uh, so I have neither good nor negative thoughts about it. The only video I ever saw, the first one I ever saw, was that clip that was going around the other day where that, where he was saying that Barbie wasn't going to have legs and its box office would fall off a cliff after the first weekend because nobody would want to go see it. It's going to be the number one film of the year now. But that's the, honestly, that's the only thing I've ever seen. The one thing I will say, though, is if you are a male with any sense of self-security, there is not one rational cell in your brain that legitimately thinks that Barbie is attacking men. Like you have to be a real sniveling, insecure pseudo male to feel threatened or think that the movie was somehow attacking you. I mean, that doesn't mean you have to think the movie was good. Not at all. Right. Not at all. You might've watched it. Maybe you didn't like the characters. You didn't like the way the story unfolded. You thought it had bad pacing. All many, many, many legitimate reasons not to like that movie. hundred percent. But yeah, I, you got to be a special kind of fragile to watch that movie if you're a man and to somehow feel like I'm being attacked. Anyway, that's just me. My God, whoever right. pointed out this Punch Club game, I'm, the, the trailers keep playing over and over. I'm going to, I'm going to play this game. I'm gonna have to check it out. Oh All right, God, what's next? So uh, Garden Variety Vagabond writes a second Star Trek gimmick episode in a row has too much of a Buffy feel, a probability field. Versus a demon, we didn't need it once more with feeling. A schmigga don't. 
Um, okay, so I have not seen, apparently, because I'm only a couple episodes into the new s- season of Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds, apparently there was a musical episode. And a lot of people were raving about it. But then I saw some people complaining, saying, oh my gosh, Star Trek isn't supposed to be gimmicky. You're not supposed to do gimmick episodes in Star Trek. And I think it was The Verge that made this meme that said, people who say Star Trek isn't supposed to be gimmicky, you clearly never watched the original series. Mm -hmm. Uh, any, Any thoughts? Anybody remember them going back to the, yeah, she, the old gangster days? Like, no gimmicks there. None there. Or what about in Star Trek The Next Generation? Oh, Sherlock Holmes and the Moria. No, no gimmicks there. Or they actually did a Western episode. Like, Star Trek has always done gimmick episodes. And that's not a bad thing. Now, again, I haven't seen the musical episode, so I don't know if I'm going (coughs) to like it or not. I generally don't like musical episodes in shows. The only exception to that is the musical episode they did in Lucifer, which was actually pretty freaking funny. But I generally don't like musical episodes in shows, but eh, we'll see how this one is again. I haven't seen it, so I don't know if it's good or bad. All right, what's next? Uh, we got Swanson Burgundy. It seems that Zach Levi has commented on Hollywood's current output, uh, calling it garbage. I get it. Nobody wants or likes a negative response to something uh, you, you, you put effort in, but taking it out on and blaming others just makes you sound like a butthurt idiot. It does. And I, again, listen, <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> no, but I was laughing at the butthurt. All uh. of us say things sometimes that make us sound like butthurt idiots. Everybody does. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. Celebrities are no exception. And it doesn't take away from the fact that Zach Levi is a really good, solid dude. Uh, but his comments about, you know, oh, the studios don't care. Y- yeah, they do. You know why studios care? Because... If your movie, the better your movie is, the more money it'll make. John, lots of bad movies have made money. Yes, but they would have made more money if they were better. John, lots of good movies have kind of flopped. Yes, but if those good movies were terrible movies, they would have made less money. Pure greed motivates studios to want their movies to be as good as they can because the better your movie is, More people will go back to watch it a second time. More people will bring other people along with them. Your movie will make more money the better it is. It may still lose money, but it'll make more money than it would have. And every, I know several movie executives. I know a lot of directors. I know a lot of producers in this business. And you are just stone cold stupid if you don't think that every time they they set their hands to trying to get a new project launch, that they're not practicing in their head their Oscar award acceptance speech. They all want to do as good as they can. They all want to make everything as good as they can for their own reputation, for the money, for all that kind of stuff. It's just pure, simple greed. Gordon Gecko, Michael Douglas, the iconic film Wall Street, put it best. Greed is good. Greed works. In the world of movies, it's especially true. All right, what's next? Anonymous writes, Saturday night, my wife went to see Barbie again with some friends. She calls uh, close to midnight asking me to pick them up because they're all too drunk to get home. (laughs) Winning some husband points. Uh, Have any of you ever watched a film at a cinema, drunk or high? No comment. I don't drink, so I I never have. Um, I don't know if Ray's ever watched a movie when he wasn't high. Yeah. Um, My wife. On life. Yeah. High on life. On life, baby. Sex court TV. Sex court TV. High on something else. <laughs> um, high on... <laughs> but hey, hey, big kudos to your wife and her friends. If they've had a couple to to, uh, to drink, to be smart enough, to be considerate enough, to be wise enough, to say, hey, we're not going to drive. Let's call for a ride. Big points to your wife and her friends for that. All right. What's next? Uh, Sam Fisher writes, A24 has those waivers, but that means they have to follow the SAG proposals. Yes. Uh, do those likely higher residuals then convert to what will likely be lower residuals once SAG and AMPTP make a deal? If an actor's residuals are 20%, do they lower once the deal is made? I would think once the deal is, like, when they have a deal in place, it's that, but new deals would be adjusted, right? I don't know. I don't know if the, if the new deal later will supersede the existing deal. I mean, look. I feel like remember, if you sign a contract, it's not a variable contract. Remember, but here's the thing: the with a the it's not that a twenty four has a contract with SAG. Each individual project 
has to get a waiver. And therefore, when a project signs that deal, only that project is subject to the current outline of the SAG or the WGA proposal. And only that movie. It's not like A24 is making one movie. They sign a deal under the terms of the WGA uh, proposals or the of SAG's proposals, I'm sorry. And therefore, any other movie that A24 does is subject to that. Not how it works. It's a individual project by individual project basis. And now that project will be governed by the terms of that agreement for the lifetime of that one project, but it's only that one project. A24 will then assign a new deal with, with other projects and maybe as a collective whole moving forward. All right, what's next? All right, now we can move on to supers. <coughs> um We've got, first up, uh, Chef Rigo. Chef Rigo! Hey, guys. Going to San Diego for the first time this weekend for a little getaway. Any restaurant recommendations? Uh, and, Ray, I'm thinking about removing those cakes you love off the menu. Just kidding. <laughs> well, that's because Ray hasn't gone back in there to get them. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. Ann and I were just in San Diego last week, two weeks ago. We went down to San Diego to go watch the Wrexham versus Manchester United game. Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I love San Diego. Honestly, if Ann and I were going to move out of town... Uh, but not back to Canada, The my first choice would probably be San Diego. I really do love the town. And listen, I, as far as restaurant recommendations, there are so many good, good, fun places to eat right down in the gas mm -hmm. lamp district. Also, I'm trying to remember what it was. One of the world's best bar, at least not in uh, Texas or Kansas or Memphis, one of the best barbecue places in America is actually in San Diego. And I'm it's right by the old hockey arena there. And I'm trying to remember the name of it. But if you get out that way, that's a good one. Other than that, just go down to the gas lamp. Tons of really good, fun restaurants down there. I think you'll have a good time. All right, what's next? All right. Um, Fangblaze writes, my wife is so bad, I typically just buy Wi-Fi. <laughs> my wife is so bad. Your wife my is wife, so, my wife is so bad, I just not, buy physical DVDs. I thought he was leading into a joke or something like that. <laughs> my wife, she's so bad. You know, Fangblaze71 writes... My Wi-Fi is so bad. I typically just buy physical DVDs so I don't have to suffer through it, buffering every five minutes on a streaming service. What does that have to do with your wife? Um, I, I'll, let me say this, though. Plug in your media player, then. Uh, but, but other than that, um, I remember when I first, when Ann and I first moved into Burbank, we, had, we didn't have any internet in our apartment yet. And so I went to Sprint and got this 3G hotspot that I got about six megabits per second download. And with that, I was able to stream, I mean, not 4K or anything like that, obviously, but I was able to stream Netflix no problem. I would really look into, here's what I would suggest. If your Wi-Fi is that bad, it's got to have something to do with your service in general. Look, T-Mobile and Verizon both have home 5g hotspots i would recommend looking into that because you you might i think you'll get a lot better performance because you don't need much speed to be able to stream solidly and consistently you don't need a lot of speed at all as long as you're not trying to get 4k or whatever but uh, i would look into one of those options all right what's next okay we got miguel who writes my peeps just saw the family dinner episode of the bear Oh, I, I thought it was fantastic. Yep. Didn't think I would see the Punisher piss off Saul Goodman with forks. <laughs> uh, Mulaney was also great. Thoughts on the episode? Mulaney was surprisingly good in that episode. I mean, first of all, everybody's in that. I mean, first of all, Jamie Lee Curtis will probably win an Emmy. I think it's now for next, like not this coming Emmys, but the following Emmys was when that episode will qualify for. But she'll, she's probably going to win an Emmy for best guest appearance in a series. Her, she in that episode is so freaking good uh, as the mom. So good. John Mulaney's fantastic. Oliver Platt's fantastic. Um, everybody is great in it. It's, it's such a powerful, uncomfortable, yet oddly familiar episode of TV. It's, it's one of the great, it's one of the reasons why the bear is such a good show. All right. What's next? Okay, we got Joe Adonis. He writes, hi, John, John, and Ray. John, at concerts, the sound from the artists on stage bounces off the walls to surround the audience, but the sound from a pigeon does uh, does not do this. The reason is acoustics. Oh, my gosh. Acoustics. 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 I feel like we should charge him more than that super chat for wasting our damn time. No. 
Well, at least I didn't get it. So at least I, acoustics sound. Acoustics uh, oh, yeah. get yeah. Anyway, all right. You know what? On that high note. We're going to take another break here for just a second and thank another sponsor of today's episode, my mobile service provider, the owner of Wrexham Soccer, and they should be your mobile service provider as well, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone, but now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills, like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just 15 bucks a month. You guys know before I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to mint mobile for sponsoring this episode all right guys let's get to the last batch of questions that we have <laughs> acoustics what's next Ooh. calvin with a hundred and two dollars calvin thank you so much man what do we got so calvin says hey john Heartstopper just had two weeks as number one global it's an LGBTQ plus series based on a comic. 16 episodes over two seasons now. Uh, every episode is written by the comic writer and every episode is directed by the same guy. With WGA wanting a minimal amount of writers, I can't back them. We must allow all those single mind greatness in the world. Okay, well, so first of all, I was just... Uh, earlier was looking up the streaming charts because, you know, Suits has been on such a rip lately. Like, why all of a sudden, four years after it went off air, it's like the number one show in the world. I don't know that Heartstoppers is the number one global. I, I looked at the charts and I never saw it pop up once, but uh, whatever. That's, that's not the important thing here. Let's take a show like everybody's telling me Special Ops Linus mm -hmm. like might be the best thing on TV right now. I haven't started watching this. The Zoe Saldana one, right? Written by Taylor Sheridan. Mm -hmm. Yellowstone, written by Taylor Sheridan. Um, Mayor of Kingstown, written by Taylor Sheridan. Taylor. So here's the thing. One of the things that the writers want, and I get where they're coming from, and I agree with them to a degree, is that they want a minimum number of writers per show. A minimum number for a writer's room. And I think it starts at like eight. I could be off by one or two, but I think the minimum number starts at eight. And then that's for shows that have up to eight episodes. And then for every two more episodes that a season has, another writer has. So you could have a, like to 12 writers or whatever in a writer's room. Now, for the most part, that's how the best television shows have been made. That's how the best television shows come into being. But every once in a while, you get shows, whether they're like a Taylor Sheridan show or, or this show that you're talking about, where you have a solo writer that's made it. And under the WGA proposal, those types of shows wouldn't be allowed to exist. Like you'd literally be going to Taylor Sheridan saying, yeah, we, we know you want to write this by yourself, but you're not allowed to. You got to have a room with uh, eight other writers to come in. See, here's the thing. I believe the in general, the writers are correct. You, you should have minimums for a writer's room. But... I don't think you can mandate it. I, I, or at least you have to write into the language of the agreement that there is room, that maybe a certain percentage of shows every year on a particular network are exempt from that minimum writer's room number. Like say, okay, you're going to have a minimum writer's room of nine writers. However, every year, no more than 8% of your programs that you make 
are exempt from that and you're allowed to have a smaller writer's room than that, even down to just one person. Like, I don't know if that's the answer per se, but you, you're going to have to build in there an allowance, something that has some flexibility to allow shows like that one, like Taylor Sheridan's and a couple of others that do have like solo writers or just a team of two writers that create the whole thing rather than forcing seven more writers on them with, that right. they may not want. Again, for the most part, that's usually the best way to do it, but you got to have some flexibility to give some other options Yeah, maybe as well. they'll have like a waiver system that they work out. Yeah, like I said, maybe like say, hey, up to 6% of the shows you produce each year can be exempt from the size of a writer's room or, or something like that. They got to come up with something that gives them that flexibility. All right, what's next? <laughs> Stephanie Mitchell writes, hey guys, Teen Witch is great. Love them 80s movies. Fun fact, the redhead lead is Robin Lively, Blake Lively's older sister. Wow. Uh, love you guys. And I was right. She was uh, in Karate Kid 3. She was? Again, I have no recollection. Wait a minute. Karate Kid 3. That one still had Ralph Macchio, right? It was yeah. the fourth one that she had That was the fourth with the, yeah. Was she the girlfriend? The, the, the Academy Award one. Who was in the fourth one again? Uh, that was... Uh, she was in Insomnia with Robin Williams and Robert... Uh, or uh, Al Pacino. Yeah. Why? She's a two-time Academy Award Million winner. Dollar Baby. Yeah, why am I freezing on her name? I'm looking at her face in my head. I'm looking it up right now, but... Uh, uh, Hillary, Hillary Swank. Swank. <laughs> Hillary Swank. Um, I have no recollection of that movie at all. That's too bad for you. That's all we got to say. No, part three <laughs> was like the worst, but... No, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm not saying I have no recollection oh. of part three, Credit Kid part three. I have no recollection of this Teen Witch movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah Like, yeah. none at oh, yeah. all. Like, I almost feel like I'm being pranked. No, that, Teen Witch is great. Yeah. And, you know, the first it, five minutes of Indiana Jones was great, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's akin up. to Teen Witch, actually. What's next? Uh, <laughs> remember that joke, John? Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, let's see. Where? Oh, Michael Jones. Hey, John. Someone asked yesterday, potential for Turtles 2. Uh, first Turtles is a slow roll out overseas. It's only open in about half the territory so far and just celebrated my one year anniversary with Mint Mobile. Oh, nice. And by the way, Michael sent in a $20 super chat. Yeah, Thank you so much for that. He said also, so I'm going to look for his other follow-up. Go ahead. Um, oh, no, I think he's saying, oh, he's just like, saying also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so let me pull up something here. Uh, Mutant uh, Mayhem. So yes, it's having a slow rollout internationally it's not having a slow roll domestically but after two weekends in theaters it's made 72 million dollars domestically um so the international market i don't think is going to add a hell of a lot to it but again if it can get to that 200 million dollar mark i think it'll secure itself a sequel but you know we'll see how it goes all right what's next okay the jedi master is here I just found out that where the Millers came out 10 years ago last wow. week. Wow. I can't believe that movie is a decade old. I laughed my effing, oh, LMF uh, ass off uh, ass watching off. this movie. Where the Millers is so funny. Jason Sudeikis, Jennifer Aniston, uh, Adam Warlock, and uh, uh, Julia Roberts's niece. Uh, Emma Roberts, that's her name. She's really good, by the way. Emma Roberts is actually a really good actress in, in her own right. I actually quite like her. She's not in a ton of stuff, but I, I like her. Um, that movie was so funny. And I think Ed, wasn't Ed Helms like the bad guy in it? Or like one of the bad guys, like the dick boss or something like that? That was a really funny movie. I can't believe that movie's 10 years old. That is crazy. Look, All right. Can, we, can I go back to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing? Remember how we were talking about the 2007 one that you didn't? Yeah, the animated yeah, one? Yeah, I gave some false info to you. Look, it made $95 million worldwide on a $34 million budget. So, Oh, that one did. The 2007 one that yeah, I... Yeah, yeah. Which right. was so the that last... that might have broke even. Which yep. was the last animated team. Depending on how much they spent on marketing on that, that might have broken even. And you're right about international. It only did 45... 43% of the whole thing. Was international. So. Yeah, I just don't know if it's as big internationally. All right, what's next? Remy Alestra has a bone to pick. I hate you, John. <laughs> Did you put crack cocaine on your shows? Well, what are you doing with our show? Are you snorting our shows digitally? I'm supposed to be watching movies on streaming. Instead, I'm watch, binge-watching past episodes of your show. You know, it's so funny. I, I think I, I might have told this. Every once in a while, I get somebody who comes up to me, and they'll talk to me, and we'll, we'll chat for a minute, and then they'll say, oh, by the way, my wife hates you. Or my girlfriend hates you. And I'm like, why? Because I, you know, when I should be going to bed or when I should be doing something with her, I'm, I'm watching the show. Uh, that is a very interesting compliment, but I take it as a compliment nonetheless. So thank you for that, man. I appreciate it. 
<laughs> All right, what's next? <laughs> Simon Blakemore writes tonight is game day. Game day. Going for... to watch. Uh, and, and, oh, I wanted to do that. Enter the Dragon at the cinema. I'm so excited. Can't wait. That's right. It's re-release. And it's it's actually Switch. not just in like one theater. Like a lot of these old movies coming in theaters will be like to a local theater only. But this is a, a general wide thing, actually. Let me pull this up. I want to see how many theaters they're saying this is going to open in. It's not playing many nights. It might only be today or just like a couple days. I wanted to go, but I was like, I didn't have time. And I can't, crap, I can't find it now. But it, it is going to be playing in multiple locations across the country. So that's a pretty cool event to get yeah. to. All right, what's next? We got uh, John Redcorn. Is there a single thing that killed Indy 5 or are there many multiple reasons? In my opinion, the age of Harrison Ford was a reason. Movie was also kind of met too. No, I, listen, I'll, I'll tell you what. Indiana Jones and the King, King of the Crystal Skull, Indiana Jones and the Dial of <laughs> Destiny, it's actually not a bad little movie. It's it's only the fourth best Indiana Jones film, which really means the second worst. But it's significantly better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It's a it's a fine, enjoyable little movie. I really like my Dial of Destiny Harrison Ford action figure that, you know, our friend at uh, Hasbro got me. Got got us. So yeah. I. But there it had its issues, right? And I talked about those in my out of the theater reaction, and one of them is. There are just, besides the fact that, uh, what's her name? Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They made that character horribly unlikable. She was great. They made that a horribly <laughs> unlikable character. And they didn't need to make her a horribly unlikable character, but they made her a horribly unlikable character. And they, they just, there is a place for older characters being your main characters even in an action film but then you've also got to temper with what they realistically physically could do and i feel like they pushed that a little bit with some of the stuff that harrison ford did in the movie that took away you know some of the you know to quote rob some of the ver verisimilitude of it so i don't think there's anything one thing look ultimately what killed the movie was that it's we realized it was a movie that should never have been made the indiana jones brand was dead um we didn't, not all of us realized it. Not, not everybody thought so at the time. But the reality is, it's a really old franchise. And the last installment of the franchise was really quite panned. It's got a really, listen, you ask any, I don't care what the initial audience thought. You ask any movie fan today, what do you think about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Everybody thinks negatively of it. Uh, except for Chris's husband, Logan. Yeah. Apparently he loves that film. But other than that, right, so... And that movie was, how old was Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Like 12 years ago? 13, 14? I, I can't remember how long ago it was. It was probably just a movie that if they were going to do it, they probably should have done it like eight years ago. But And I think ultimately that's going to be the biggest culprit of it. All right, what's next? Okay, we've got John Redcorn back after Space Jam 2 over under 9%. LeBron tries to act again. I'll go over 9, just because nine's a really super low number. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't say over 30%. Uh but listen, when you have somebody like him, like, and I really wouldn't call what he did in Space Jam acting, right? <laughs> I, I would, I think that's being generous. I don't think he sees himself being an actor. He, look, he's a guy who owns multiple businesses. Mm -hmm. He runs m a number of huge charities. Uh, these are all things that are going to dominate his time once he retires from the game of basketball. And he's still going to be involved in basketball. So no, I don't think you're going to see him pursuing a host or a acting career, but 9% is a really super low number. So I'll have to take the over on it. All right. What's next? Dildar, the glorious. When Gunn said Blue Beetle is the first DCU character, you probably meant the original is, and that version might get a show movie down the road. I think there's a lot of room for interpretation. Gal Gadot thought that. <laughs> yeah. It was I, an odd comment from that. Like from It that. was an odd comment. And you know what? I really do wish... And I'm surprised he didn't, because Michael Rosenbaum's a really good interviewer, and I'm surprised he didn't pursue that a little bit. He should have. Because James Gunn, while answering another question, just kind of randomly dropped right. that. I know, that, that was a little and, weird. And I think it has a lot of, because there's no way, like, first of all, James Gunn, in the same breath, clarified that Superman Legacy is the first movie of the new DCEU. He was very specific about that. So there's a lot of room for interpretation. Look, I don't believe there's any way, shape, or form that we're going to see uh, this Jaime Riaz in the DCEU. I don't know that for fact. James Gunn never told me that. 
David Zaslav never told me that. I, I can't say that's a fact. I'm just saying, I do not believe at all that there's any chance that this version played by Sholo of Jaime Riaz is going to be the Blue Beetle in the DCU. I don't believe that for a second. So I, I would love to get James Gunn in here and actually straight up, what did you mean by that comment about Blue Beetle? I would love to get him to answer that, but I think there's probably a lot of different ways to interpret it. All right, what's next? Uh, Optimus Prime Rib writes, loved Oppenheimer, but halfway through, my wife told me it was boring, which stayed in the back of my mind while watching. Have you ever experienced that? Yes. Yeah. And, and you know what? Then that's fine. Listen, not every movie's for everybody. There are certain films that you're going to find thrilling, incredibly engaging, and somebody else is putting them to sleep. And neither of you are right or wrong. It's just movies hit us in different ways. But yeah, sometimes when that happens, it can kind of jolt your experience of a movie. It can. I've I've been with, uh, I. okay, I'll just say it, Anne. I've been with Anne in a movie that I've been really enjoying. She goes, oh my God, this is so bad. And that kind of jolts me out of my experience <laughs> like, oh. with the film a little bit, right? But hey, it is what it is. Oh, well, that person's wife was wrong then. <laughs> Wi-Fi. That person's right. Wi-Fi was wrong. Yeah, that. Their Wi-Fi was wrong. Yeah. All right, what's next? Christopher Brickner writes, uh, it looks like Elemental will soon pass 450 mil. Yeah, which, again, when it looked like that movie wasn't going to cross $250 million, the way it started, it came out really slow out of the gate. But word got around that it's actually an excellent movie, and it legged it out. I don't know that it's enough for it to be profitable, but if it does end up losing money, it's a lot less money it's losing now than it would have because it's had incredible legs, especially considering how slow it started. All right, what's next? Robert writes, did you see It Follows? Top horror movie, in my opinion. Tell you what, Ann and I got together. You guys remember Darina from back at the uh, AMC and Collider days. Yeah. We got together with Darina and her husband. And we were like, oh, we got to watch this movie, It Follows. Everybody's talking about how great it is and blah, blah, blah. So we got together, ordered pizza, whole bit, and sat down and watched it. And none of us liked it. None of us liked it. I, I, I understand that there are horror aficionados that just think it's like one of the best horror films in the last number of years and all this kind of stuff. I got to tell you, I did not think it was that good of a movie. But again, that's all it, movies hit us all in different ways. That's just the way it helped us or hit us, I guess. All right, what's next? All right. Uh, William Bangs writes, did a double feature of Oppenheimer and Last Voyage of the Demeter yesterday. I definitely like them in the order listed. Again, I nobody went to go see Demeter, but from the few people I've been hearing from that did, uh, their saying was actually pretty good. It's just too bad they didn't make it look any good because a lot of people were like me that were just not interested in it from the way they marketed it. Maybe right. maybe people can do this double feature and, and Barbie will get a, a blue Barbie a, another breath of fresh air and Blue Beetle will get money and Blue Beetle's going to dethrone Barbie this yeah. weekend as the number one film, but it's the Blue Barbie weekend. All right, what's next? <laughs> In uh, your dreams, man. <laughs> uh, Remy Alestra writes. Oh wait, he we already read that one. It just came in twice. Okay. Uh, Haas TV uh, writes. Uh, Netflix's painkiller is riveting and pisses me off. I've heard which... of it. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. I have no idea what it is. Yeah, what is it? Well, I don't know. Well, I mean, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Well, apparently it pisses him off. Yeah. So, so I mean, hey, there are a lot of shows and movies that were- oh, it's with Matthew Broderick. Oh, I think it's about like the drug-like industry. Oh, opioids. Yeah, opioids. That's not the one that had Michael Keaton in it, is it? No. No, Matthew Broderick and let me see. I don't know who else is in it, but- uh, oh, okay. Taylor Kitsch. Uh, oh, I love Matthew Roderick and Uzo Aduba, but I don't. I don't know anyone else. Hmm. Yeah. All right, and guys, that'll do it. That'll do it, right? Yeah. That'll do it for today's <laughs> installment of Open Mike. Thank you so much for being here and making this little show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in the questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about, but number two, you supported our channel as you did it, and all of us involved here at the show. Thank you guys so very much for your support, especially the dude who sent in like that $100. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks so much for that. I appreciate that very, very much. Anyway, guys, don't forget, come on back and join us again tomorrow for all the shenanigans we've got going on around the podcast and the YouTube channel. We hope to see you there. So for the guys in the room, Ray Ora, Jonathan Voico. See you tomorrow. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.